You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we got a special guest on the pod today, a coach who is a national champion, a 2023 national champion at that, and he won his national championship uh, just last week, so we got a chance to pick his brain, talk about things from culture to training camp to how they plan, what they practice, what systems they run, all the stuff that coaches want to hear. We dive into it, and I really try to give you guys a good grasp on what his approach to this season was and the things that made that team great and why they were able to win a national championship. So we get a chance to dive in and pick his brain a little bit. So this is an episode you definitely don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 144 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? We have another good one for you today. As I mentioned earlier in the intro, we have a special guest that is on the podcast. Um, But before we welcome it on, I just want to welcome everyone to the show If you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And if you are a regular listener, as always, you know how much I appreciate you guys. And the goal of each episode, just like today, is going to be to give you guys tangible strategies, things you can take back to your gym and apply right away. Uh, For my my, my regular listeners, you you know that's the plan. So my advice to you is if you're driving, uh, ignore this advice. You're going to have to come back. But if you're not driving, get out a pen and paper or your phone or iPad or whatever. Get ready to take some notes as we dive into today's interview because it is going to be special. So I am extremely privileged and honored honored to welcome a national championship coach. Nas- not, not provincial championship or state championship, a national championship coach. And that is Kelvin Ma. Kelvin, what's up, man? Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I uh, appreciate it. So... Uh, you know what? But I just to I want to explain. So we have a lot of listeners all over the world, especially in the U.S. So for U.S. listeners, when I say national championship um, in the U.S., you know, you guys have Division One, you have Division Two, you have Division Three, you have NAIA, you have uh, JUCO. There's a lot of different divisions. So let's just understand this is this would this is the CCAA national championship, and that would be equivalent to like a Division Two in, in the U.S. Uh, U sports in Canada would be your division one, if you want to call it and division two would be like CCAA. So it's still high level volleyball. Um, and this particular team is a back-to-back national champion back-to-back is winning one is, is, is tough, let alone two. So, um, Kelvin, you want to just, uh, let our listeners know, you know, who you are, what you're about, where, you know, how your, your coaching journey, excuse me, your coaching journey. Yeah. So I'm actually very privileged to be with this national championship team. It's my first season with this team. Um, the back-to-back last season, uh, they had another legendary coach in Canada, Mr. Charles Parkinson. Um, he was with the program for 12 years, won two national championships with the team, and last year decided to retire. And um, luckily enough, um, I was available to take over. I was previously at Douglas College in Vancouver for about six years as the assistant coach. and. Um, yeah, I stepped into the role and kind of 
had a lot of expectations set on us. You know, we were, you know, um, national champions from last year and we were ranked number one pretty much all season. So uh, lots of expectations for us there. That's crazy. And and what about your coaching background? So you, you were an assistant coach at Douglas College. You know, how did, how did you get into coaching? Like, how did you get to you know, going from wherever you started to a national championship coach? Yeah, so I played a lot of club, played some provincial team, um, never really got the club, uh, sorry, the college playing stuff done. I wish I had some opportunity, more opportunities there, but I started coaching youth and started coaching for, um, kind of volleyball BC and kind of doing a lot of like youth programs, kind of worked my way there. Uh, met Jay Tremonti, the head coach at Douglas college on the beach one day. And, um, we kind of just struck it up and he invited me to join him on his, uh, on his coaching career and kind of just kind of took it off from there. Since then, uh, I've worked a lot with provincial teams, and most recently, I've been working with the women's national team in Richmond. Um, I was working at the Richmond Oval and uh, had the opportunity to get in that gym. Nice. Well, appreciate that, man. And um, so not only is it hard to be a national champion, you had to take over an already national uh, championship team, bringing in your voice, and and you weren't even on the coaching staff prior. So that that has a lot of challenges in itself. Um, before we start at the beginning, you want to talk about that? Like, how was it coming into a, a, a national ranked program as a new head coach? Uh, what was your, like, how, first of all, how was that experience? And then what did you, like, how did you approach that? Man, the, the learning curve for that was quite steep. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of processes the schools differ in and also um, the team itself. Uh, Charles left me a lot of senior, you know, older athletes in their fourth and fifth year. So he was quite comfortable leaving the program in my hands. And luckily for me, uh, over the summer, um, we had some uh, Canada summer games. Charles was the head coach for the provincial team for BC. And I had a whole summer working with him to kind of see what his coaching philosophy was, philosophy was like, had to work with him, uh, learned a lot from his training plan, seasonal planning. So I got a good glimpse of what his training and his season looked like in the previous year. And then stepping into the new role, I had a lot of individual meetings with those senior guys to be like, what did you like from Charles? What can we keep? What can we change? Um, and my first year, I kind of took a step back and it's like, okay, it's not going to be ideally what I want right now. And there has to be a nice blend between uh, the old systems, old tactics and old coaching and the new systems and kind of take what works and leaves what leave what didn't and kind of kind of go without the go go through the season like that okay no appreciate it. now this is that this is what i want to dive into so um as as much as you want to share our listeners will absolutely be open to hearing you know how you how you go about planning this season and so let's start at the very beginning so you said you worked in the summer um you know with, with the previous head coach and you got a chance to learn his philosophies and how he does things and so let's talk about that what how, like what, what was the style let's talk about training camp the, the beginning of the season preseason when you come into the to the team What's your plan? What are you training? How does that look? And that's an open-ended question. So you can take it where, however you want. Yeah. So I really needed to get to know the guys that I had um, on our team. There was a very big gap in age and in skill. We had our fourth and fifth years, you know, a couple of 25 year old, 27 year olds. And then I had my recruits come in as rookies and they're 17, 18 year olds. So kind of established like, Hey, what were the old expectations for those older guys, um, what the expectations should be for the younger guys, because obviously the 10-year age gap and skill gap won't be met overnight. 
and um, kind of see, you know, create a common understanding of where we need to go. You know, like what role can the younger guys play versus what the, what the role and leadership should look like from the senior team or the senior guys. Um, that was kind of the first probably month and a bit. And then kind of establishing what our team culture is going to look like moving forward, style of play. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the whole training camp was just like a discovery session of like what this team could do. Okay, so let, let's dive into um, your... I guess, I guess your, the, the philosophy, the style of play that you guys do. So what you want to, so what kind of, what, what is the style of play? How do you go about coaching that style of play? And what was really, you know, what was strong about that? Yeah, I think our whole season was going to surround, was going to be surrounding serve and pass. I know offensively, we have a lot of physical weapons on our team. And like we have Eduardo Bita, you know, all Canadian leading scorer. Uh, Brendan Fulkert, leading scorer in the Pack West. We got two awesome middles that score constantly, and we had a good setter. So I think in system wasn't really going to be the concern, but like, how do we stay in system? And then how do we get the opponent out of system? Like, our entire game plan was revolving around serve and pass. We wanted to be the best serving team and the best passing team in the country. And um, I think throughout the season and going into nationals, you know, I think we were the most consistently tough serving team. And I think we handled tough serves very well all season long. Yeah, you guys definitely were a good surfing team. I'll tell you that, <laughs> especially in the national. You know, what really impressed me in the national finals. And you guys were, you guys played against the the home, the host of the national finals in a very, very crazy environment. Tough. I didn't, I didn't, I gotta check the stats. I didn't check the stats, but just by watching the game, I, I, I don't know, two missed serves, three missed serves in the entire match. I, I don't know. I don't know what the number. Do you know what the number was? I, I I don't. Okay, so I'll tell you. But based on what we were looking at, like I, I was there, and I, I mean, I wasn't statting the match, but the serving consistency in a hostile crowd was unbelievable. I, I may have counted two or three serving errors, uh, a couple, a one or two by your middle, and then a float serve out, and that was it. It was it was so consistent. So absolutely, I can definitely see that. So in terms of the the planning now, so we say okay, so you want to be the best serving and passing team. Which by the way, listeners, that's. I see it. That's like cliche. Everyone it's, it's true though, but it comes down to the best serving and passing team. And to be quite honest, I think that was a big part of why you guys won. You guys served tough. You put them out of system and you were in system. I mean, that was really the, the, the match. And then there's a couple of, you know, great plays, you know, like Eduardo went on a huge serving run at certain points yeah. in the match that spread, you know, but that was great. Let's talk about, let's go back to the beginning. Let's talk about training camp a little bit. So you go in, uh, you're getting to know the players, you're getting to know the roles on the team, which absolutely is, is really important. Um, what about some, some of the tactical things? So w- when you approach training camp at that beginning, what are you working on with your team? It, it's, is it just serve and pass? Is it serve and pass? And then we'll, we'll add in a little bit of offense here. We'll do this. Like how does, how, how are you scheduling that training period before we go into real season play? Yeah. So we pretty much have serve and pass in every single training session, regardless of, you know, what we want for load, regardless if it's attacking focus, block D, like whatever the case is, we always have some serve pass. And we also leave some room at the beginning and end of practice just for guys to explore their serve and kind of work out that stuff. Um, And kind of, we did a lot of radar gun stuff in the first half of the season, you know, establishing, you know, what speed we want, how much we can push. And then the second half of the season, we really dialed it back. Like, like how can our serve perform our best? You know, and we let them go with a lot of errors at the beginning. And I know, especially for our you know, fourth and fifth year guys who had that really, really high standard, they're like, man, Kelvin, like we're missing too much. 
And I'm like, guys, at the end of the day, those errors are going to come down because we're going to be consistently pushing that pressure. And um, yeah, that's kind of whole season progressed for that serve and pass. And then at the end of the season, yeah, it was live and live or die by the sword. And I think we did pretty well there. So did you allocate, um, you know, you, so you, you, you're serving pass, you do a lot of experimentation, which I, by the way, is fantastic. Establish a baseline and go from there. I love that. And do you guys like have a specific amount of time on systems, specific amount of time on defense, offense systems? Like, are, do you have a plan in place? Okay. You know, day one of training, we're going to do serve receive every practice. Then we're going to throw in some, you know, some block defense in the first bit of training camp and in, in, in like your first micro cycle or whatever you want to call it. Then we have, you know, offensive plan. Then we have, let's do a little bit of defense here. And then we come it all together. Like how was it, how did that overall plan look? The overall plan, I kind of broke it up in about four to five week chunks. Okay, and we'd, stay in, we, and we'd stay in like one phase of it for the entire four or five, you know, we'd sprinkle in some block D cause that's going to have to happen. But like, you know, the first training block was fully, um, diving in on serve pass and pass to attack. So like kind of a phase one, uh, complex one kind of mindset. And then once we got that kind of consistent, okay, now we can leave that a little bit back of your mind, but like, we're still implementing certain things. And then like, how do we actually defend and dig out of that? And then kind of just flip flop between the two. Um, and then obviously since serve pass is our main focus leading up to championship seasons, you know, that last training block is probably definitely going to be serve and pass focused. Sorry, can, can you elaborate a little bit more on the, the, the four to five chunks? I love that idea, like four to five chunks. So what, 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 what is your, so your first chunk is serve and pass and then pass to attack. And then what would be your second, third, fourth, fifth chunk in that, that plan? Yeah. So the first chunk is really, I had to go back and look at it to be specific, okay. but the first chunk was really more like, okay, how do we get in system? And then how do we look in system, right? How do we layer in the pipe? How do we keep our middles engaged um, and just really refining what that in-system looks like. The second piece in the block D is like, okay, how do we defend in-system? You know, like what reads are we making? Are we going to dedicate a step? Are we going to commit? Are we going to do all these things? And then how does that relate to our block, uh, our defensive systems? You know, like how does that look? The next block is kind of like, okay, serve, receive, and medium pass. How do we manage like a medium pass off the net and still run for four attackers? And like, you know, what happens? What, what do we do when our uh, setters push to position two? Are we going to run short? Or are we going to run a 60 and kind of do that stuff? So a little bit more in like, okay, we can still take advantage of the pass. And then the last training block or the second last in the blocking part is like, okay, we're really refining our serves now to put them out of system. Are we tripling? You know, how are we covering tips? How are we going to put them out of system and then really take advantage when they're off? And then the last one, we go back like, hey, now let's refine again and we'll go back in system because like we just want the guys feeling good and serving pass and going into championships. Wow, I love that, man. I don't think I've ever seen a coach literally have a training block surrounded around serve and pass. Like we're going to do in system serve and pass. What, what's the, like, what comes out of that? Then we're going to do medium server. That's actually a really creative way of, of training. Cause you're, you're, you're like you said, you're going all in on serve and pass. And I, what I really like, and I've never seen this. Well, I shouldn't say never, but it's not very commonly talked about is actually practicing the medium pass. Like what happens when the pass goes off the net? How do we run all four of our attackers? So you actually would purposely have a medium pass, like a, you know, a two quality, you know, 1.5 quality pass and then go. Yeah. I mean, with, with our serving intensity and velocity, like we get a lot of medium passes anyways. Right. But like we throw a coach in there and be like, okay, every time the coach passes is going to be a medium ball. 
Right. So like, we just knew that was going to happen and then we can really um, dial in on what that's going to look like. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So I, I clearly understand how really dedicated you guys were to serve and pass. Cause that's amazing. You had, you had built a plan around that. Well, let's talk about some, some offense stuff. So you, you briefly mentioned, well, are we going to go fast on a medium pass? Are we going to go this? So what, what was your offensive philosophy? What was your strategy for your offensive, uh, your whole offensive flow this season? Man, like we have so many veteran guys that kind of bounce off of them a little bit, you know, let them be right. cool. Um, in terms of like in transition plays, we don't talk too much about that. Like we just let them be cool. We let our middles see what they're up against and try to run a gap, try to run. If they think they can beat the middle, Hey, run to the setter. If you think running the gaps better, I'll let them have some freedom there. Nice. Um, and then in terms of the outsides, like we try to push tempo pretty much all the time um, in transition. I just let like, again, I just let Eduardo be cool. Like I just let yeah, Eduardo, yeah. Brendan, those guys be cool on the outsides um, in serve receive. Um, we know our strengths are going to be on the outsides. So instead of trying to go long set and let them go high and swing, we try to push tempo to the pins. So we, we rather run short than run long. Um, and we try to keep the middles engaged as much as possible. Um, we, we're not a huge pipe running team. <clears throat> Plus we have good middles. So like we didn't feel the need to. Um, so again, working on that medium pass with the ability to run the middle all the time was, was a big piece of our, our offense. So the, the sounds of it is, yeah, you're, you're running a fast offense. Um, even like, I like what you said, like you'd rather go short distance to long distance on the pins, keeping them really quick and then uh, keeping the middles engaged. So you're, and, and because you, you had the talent, you were able to have, keep those, those middles can do a lot of damage, like you mentioned. And then, yeah. you know, the, the fast offense on the pins. No, I, I love that, man. That's fantastic. Um, so let's see, sorry, if you see, I'm, I'm taking notes because I'm, I'm literally taking notes as you, <laughs> as you speak. Uh Okay, you, you you talked earlier about about culture. I want I want to dive a little more into that because clearly you need you need culture to win a national a national championship. Um, you want to you want to talk about your culture, like what what does it entail? You know, how did you guys? What was your culture? Let's just let's start with that. What was your culture? Yeah, this year was a weird one because I feel like there's still existing culture from the old coach, yeah. and me trying to infuse new culture into the team. Um, I, I probably let some things go, which I probably wouldn't let go next year where there was, there's, there's a very, very high expectation of excellence in our gym. And I think that's great. You know, like our old guys held everyone accountable, rookies, everyone alike, you know, I feel like where there's going to be a, a small change is going to be how we communicate those expectations. Cause I feel like the generations are different. You know, I'm not going to be in your face all the time. I feel like there's a little bit of that um, where our 17 year old is being pushed and challenged by a 27 year old. And it doesn't even matter. Like the fact that they're older is going to intimidate them more. Right. And I really needed our young guys to come out, be brave and swing hard and play hard because there already is a skill gap. You know, like they had to go already against so much. They don't really need the guys to be in their face all the time. And I think facing that challenge in the second half, we really came together. We really started speaking more about like, Hey, like we got to be 17 strong here. Right. Guys on the bench have to be more engaged. Um, and I really feel like doing this whole process and this whole championship run, um, playing as a unit, regardless of who's on the court was a big part of our team culture. Um, and then obviously again, 
the high, high expectations of excellence and like work ethic in the gym was something I inherited and I'm definitely going to keep going. <clears throat> right. So to sum it up, it's that I love that. I love that way. You said a high expectation of excellence in your gym. And that started with your veterans. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was your veterans that had. So when you come to the gym, you come to work and they push and push and push because, you know, they're reigning national champions. and They want to continue yep. to be that way. And, and so you didn't really have the, like the, um, the effort was never an issue. The competitiveness was never an issue. What, um, so you, you did mention communicating it needs to be better, a little bit better next year. What did you have any challenges, any cultural challenges in your gym that you had to overcome? Definitely. I feel like the type of athletes that we were we brought in were not as, I don't want to say intense because they're all intense. They, they're all just right. express it differently. Um, but they're not as vocal. They're not as aggressive as some of the older guys were. Right. And that was kind of a conflict early on. Cause like a, a younger athlete makes a mistake instead of being super pissed off at themselves, they're more internalizing it and then um, thinking it through. And other athletes would see that as like, you don't care. Well, no, it's just how he expresses himself. And once we got that, um, figured out once guys started figuring each other out that that was resolved itself right the communication piece was just like you don't understand him yet right he is hardened he has hardened himself he is holding himself to a standard but sometimes like especially working with young kids when they make a stick make a mistake you know they want to laugh about it well right. that's just their defense mechanism it's not that they don't care they're still trying right no that's yeah no, absolutely. i know absolutely i completely hear what you're saying um what about you know what I always ask coaches when it comes to culture, sometimes it is like, it's, it's the little things that really matter when it comes to that, the, the overall culture of the team. I, I'll give you a couple examples. So like in, in our gym, you know, we, 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 when you come in, before you do anything, you high five and dap your coaching staff and teammates, you know, before yeah. you leave, you high five, like, like just to bring that sense of yeah, that camaraderie, that brotherhood and things like that. You know, I know, um, and I've interviewed a lot of coaches. Uh, some coaches have um, a, a gratitude circle once a week. That was one that uh, U of A has. They do it every week. They do a gratitude circle and they, you know, and that was really cool. Um, the weight room culture, that's a big part of a lot of program cultures and things like that. Is there anything that's, uh, you know, that you would find really cool about your program that you're like, wait, you know, that's, that's one thing that makes us a better team because of, because of that. Is there anything that's interesting or anything cultural that you guys do? Sorry. Yeah, you're good. I can hear you. Uh, so like, yep. uh, basically, is there, did, did you hear, did you hear any of the question? Sorry. <laughs> part, part, parts of it. Sorry. Yeah, no. So basically like every, every coach that I've, I've interviewed and I got a chance to talk to you, I, I I've, I've realized that sometimes it's the little things that in, in a team that really sharpen and strengthen the culture. And, and the example I gave was, you know, with our guys, you know, when you come in our gym, before you even touch a volleyball, you got a high five and dap your coaching staff before you leave the gym, you have to high five everybody, you know, when, um, like little things like that, uh, really, really important. And it kind of builds that camaraderie, that brotherhood, you know, stuff like that. They have their players only meetings. Um, you know, Brock, the head coach yeah. of U of A has uh, gratitude circles once a week, you know, like there's like little, little things. Is there anything cool about, or not cool, or anything that you feel is really different about your team that, you know, that this is, this is something really cool that we do. I'll, I'll be honest. No, I, I, don't, I don't think we do anything in particular like that. Okay. I think partially that's because I'm still trying to combine cultures between right. the last coach and mine. I, I didn't want to 
implement, like, I like the gratitude circle. I like physical contact. I like, you know, working with a team that way, but I feel like the guys don't all see it the same way right now. So I didn't okay. want Im- to put, put that on them right now this season. Um, but I think my biggest thing about like culture is just like being super clear on communications and responsibilities because that culture, like the little things, you know, just the, the fact that I go out for a block, I come down and I, I expect someone to, to go for that tip ball. Right. That little fracture in trust, just in that alone can break communication and then break culture to the very end. It's like, I just stopped trusting this guy. And I've talked to my guys about that a lot. It's just like, this is, you know, tip cover is this guy's ball. Right. He has to go for it every single time. And we don't care if he gets it up, but he has to go for it every single time. Right. Because there's a level of trust. And once that trust is broken X amount of times, you know, lack of communication, I don't trust him. And all of a sudden there's going to be a fracture and culture is going to suffer from it. Right. But there's other ways to mend it. But I think the root of all problems is that. So this particular year with all the, you know, moving pieces, I felt that was the easiest way to achieve what we needed to start. And then next year we'll get into a, like more deep dive in team culture. That's pretty impressive though, man. The fact that you're back-to-back national champions and you still have so much work. Well, I wouldn't say so much work. I apologize, but you still have work to do to get that culture strong. And the, the fact that I think the high expectation of excellence, that's a really great phrase of excellence in your gym. That, that is the culture in itself. And that, yeah. that's what that's, I guess that's kind of what you're alluding to. That is why you guys are great. It's because of that expectation of excellence. Um, and, uh, and, you, and everyone holds each other accountable for that. So that's, that's a culture in itself. All right, let's, let's transition a little bit here. Um, so we talked about, I do want to, okay, I, I, I want to backtrack just slightly because so you, you talked about the offseason. Uh, you got a chance to work with the head coach. You saw the philosophy and things like that and, and how, he, how he ran things. Um, you talked about your, 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 five, your four to five chunks that you do yeah. um, in the beginning where you're, you're teaching all that. And then how, how long does that last, that, those four to five chunks? Like how does that how long are we talking about there in period? Oh man. Like I, I wouldn't even say that was like preseason. I would say that would go right into the regular season for our pack West. Okay. Um, and I would spend at least, you know, one to two weeks per and kind of cycle through it. That would take right. us all of the first half of the first half of the season. Okay. Got and it. then we're going to refine and go like our, our, our season is so long and we've played so many teams so many times. Right. Uh, repetitively. So it's kind of like you take the whole first half of the season. And that's something I took from, you know, our old coach is that's kind of how it's going to roll. Right. Um, and kind of do that. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, okay. I want to, let's transition to a little bit of, so, so basically you're, you don't have a really like small training camp. You have a, like your training starts and you just go two, three, like every, you know, two week chunk, 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 all the way up until your, uh, your, your season starts. Is that right? Yeah, like we, we start um, first week of September and we're about six weeks out from the first league match. Yeah. And then we just keep going until the very end. Okay. And do you guys do any like team building or any, or do you like take the team away or do you have a specific, like, we're going to go five days straight to get to know each other? Like, do you have that, that period of time before you get into the, you know, the chunks and all that stuff? Yeah, not officially. I mean, we train four to five times right from the get go. So okay. yes, we do train five times a week, but it's, it's not something uh, special or unique we plan for. It's just circumstance that our gym's available like that. 
Got it. Okay. No, that makes sense. Perfect. Uh, so let's, let's talk match preparation here. Um, Hugh, you know, in the college game, it's so much more important than the youth game. What do you, what goes into your match preparation? What are, what are the ingredients of your match preparation? Yeah. So we have our, uh, pre-game meeting with a full, full game plan on like a Tuesday for a Friday match. So we'll have time and practice to apply what we've talked about. Um, following like in the actual game plan, um, the athletes will receive, you know, information about who we want to serve, how we want to serve them, um, attack tendencies along with set distribution tendencies. So we know exactly where we want to block. And then I try to keep it pretty simple for our blockers in terms of like, Hey, we want to be really good in the front six and we're going to give up three meters in the back and we're going to defend it with our defenders and a solo block. So Can you like say that, that again? That was really, that was really good. Can you say that one more time? <laughs> yeah. So we want to be very specific with our blockers because they're important. And we're, I usually tell them like, Hey, we're going to be really good in the front six meters of the court. We're giving up, we're going to give up the back three and we're going to defend it with two defenders and six, five or whatever the case is there. Right. I like that. And is there a specific, I, I know my reason, but I want to hear your reason. Is there a specific reason why you would defend that way? Um, I mean, in our pack West league, um, where the league is very left side dominant. Yep. And we don't see a lot of middles run effective sixties. So effectively they're bunched in the front six. Yep. And you know, it, it takes a very special athlete to be effective in the D ball. So we don't deem that as a huge threat until a team proves it otherwise. So that's right. why we prioritize the front six. And then we allow the attacker to go off. Plus, you know, we have such a good defensive team in both like Chris or Libero, Ed and Graham are like amazing defenders. So yeah. we, we just see it as a better opportunity to make sure we block the front row and we can defend the back row ball. Got it. So you're like, you're, do you run perimeter defense on your team? Um, like, we're you more... like a six yeah, we're more like middle middle with the sixth defender. Okay, uh, and we just kind of read and react from there. We don't we don't do anything too too crazy. So uh, sorry. Yep. Yeah, like we're 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 definitely more bunched towards the middle, and uh, we we give them more sideline. And then and then if if it's a sealed block, is your six backing up all the way to the end line, or are they staying pretty neutral? I mean, most of the teams that we end up playing run pretty fast, so it's rare that we get a feel, but. If ah. that were the case, you know, like if that were the case, we would recommend that they try to get back. But again, like our, our attackers are pretty fast. So I, I prioritize them being stopped and stable than being in the right position. I love that. No, man, absolutely. But you, but you're, but you're out of system defense. Now, if it's out of system where you're throwing up, you know, four to six hands, is your six playing more deeper or are they playing a little up still? No, they're, they're, they'll, they'll be deep. Yeah. For your, Cause out of system. Yeah. Field. That's uh no no I I love that yeah no that makes sense you prioritize in system fastballs you 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 rather than be stopped I, I like that you rather than be stopped and stable yeah I know hundred percent so you got so Tuesday you have a Friday game Tuesday they're getting all their um they're getting their scouting report attack tendencies set distribution uh, all that great stuff you have a practice to practice that and things like that um so now we're ready to go what does a game day look like is there anything special about game day routines. Uh, individually, yes. As a full team, not too much. Um, the guys love getting dressed up on a Friday home game. So that's a little nice little piece. They all come in and 
they all look amazing. Like suits? Um, suits, like full oh, on decked nice. out. Like they, they look good walking in the gym. Nice. Um, but yeah, like the, the boys like to show up two hours prior to game time, you know, watch a set of the women's game, take bets on how it's going to finish. I'm kidding. <laughs> not really. Um, <laughs> um, then after a set, we go upstairs, the boys get changed. We go through the game plan again in case we have any changes or just reminders. And then we roll downstairs 25 minutes on the clock and yeah, take care of business. Okay. No, no, got it. That makes sense. So what's your, um, what, what is your training regimen like in terms of practices, uh, strength and training, whatever, like what does a typical week look like for you guys? Yeah. So Monday is typically a low load day, pretty grounded, really get to work on technical stuff and a lot of serve pass. Um, Tuesday kind of medium intensity, probably get one or two sets of volleyball played, you know, had a day of rest. Um, and that's also immediately after a game plan meeting. So we try to implement some of those game plan things and serve receive, uh, serve and pass uh, during the games. Wednesday, more of a defensive day, grounded. So again, we're looking at, you know, what are their attack tendencies? How do we defend it? That's more defensive focused. Thursdays, really that's like, again, match prep. So a lot of serve pass and we try to get two sets of volleyball in. And then we go from there for matches. Um, In terms of weight room, guys lift three times a week. Um, two times on their own, one time as a team left. And uh, we're also super fortunate in our building. Like we have so many services. So we have a regeneration room, uh, mm-hmm. two hot tubs, two cold tubs. We go in there twice a week, Monday post, post, uh, competition Friday pre just to get ready. Yeah. And then, um, a lot of athletes around practice time will go into our, um, athletic therapy clinic. So we have a free clinic for the athletes to go get massages, get worked on, get taped Monday through Friday. Right. So the athletes will take advantage of that too. Right. No, fantastic. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then, so I, I guess this would be more, uh, when do you, if you do, or actually, how about this? Player development. Let's talk a little bit about player development. Is, is there a time for player development? Do you just incorporate it in all of these um, you know, the technical Mondays you have, the medium intensity Tuesdays, like what, what is your player development plan? So l- most of the player development, we try to get done in the preseason in terms of like identifying what they need and then giving them um, kind of a plan to work out the rest of the season. It's hard to identify and change things mid season for us, right? Cause competitions every weekend. Exactly. You know? yep. um, but like preseason six weeks, uh, really technical. We got the iPads out, TVs out, and really try to break down what we need to. And then from there, there's a solid building block for us to give them a plan moving forward. And then we just revisit it on the Mondays and sometimes Wednesdays. And, you know, like sometimes the guys just need a day off and we'll take that day off as an opportunity to revisit those things. Uh, and we just like sprinkle a little bit throughout the entire season. Okay. No, it makes sense. Now I know coaches are going to have questions the minute they hear iPad and TVs. So <laughs> what are you using the iPad for and what are you using the TVs for? And if there's any software that you use, if you could share with us, that'd be great. And, and how, how do you do that? Yeah. I, I don't think I'm reinventing the wheel on that one. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, huddle for video, like game video, we can review on the iPad or we put up, stream it up on the TV, uh, bam, video delay, Love that. Use it all the time. Um, sometimes it's just cool to put the radar gun on the TV 
not super important, but it's just cool for the guys. Um, I agree. I agree. My guy's got a kick out of it too. Don't worry. And and it creates that competition. That guy goes up, he serves like a 80, a 90, whatever, a hundred. And the guy's like, wait a minute, what? And then it's really cool. Anyways, go on. Sorry. Yeah, no, but like, I don't know if there's anything other, any, any other software I'm like using specifically, but like video delay is our primary use for that TV and iPod. Um, yeah. Just like we, we're gonna have so many guys. Like we have so many guys this year. So many guys next year. There's lots of opportunities to go in and out of the court, be able to see yourself play, take some feedback off that video, um, and also work with the coach off the court. So, right, yeah. So I actually don't use Bam. I heard about it by the way. So Bam, you can connect Bam. So does Bam do a video delay? Video delay, yeah. So like you'll you'll have a clip, then there'll be like a five second delay. It'll show up on the on the on the TV. They can see yeah. it and cycle through. So Bam does that. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Okay. And then, um, what radar gun do you guys use? Um, it's just the pocket radar. Oh, it's a pocket radar. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. You know, the, do you know the brand? I don't know. That's a really tough one on the spot. I might have it. I don't know where it is right now. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. That's fine. I think, I think I, I know what you're talking about. Anyways, coaches can just look up pocket radar and, and you can connect it to the TV. Yeah, so there's a new model that you can connect to um, an iPad, and then oh, okay. iPad's already connected to the TV, so it kind of yeah. just goes that way. Yeah, yeah. We we use the the Bushnell radar gun. It's like a cheap hundred and forty seven dollars. Yeah, yeah. that that one that one's one we we've used in the gym. No, this is really cool. So Bam, so coach, and I actually I've gotten a lot of questions about video, like what do you use for video in practice? Bam delay. That's really cool. I didn't know that you could hook it up and it actually has that, that slow down delay. It's great for serve receive. Just go look at it and then yep. take out. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, all right. And then that, so that's pretty much it for player development. How much, what's a, okay. I got another 10 minutes with you and then I'm gonna let you go. I know you're, you, I appreciate it, man. For coaches that don't know, he, he's, he's about to go on a ferry. So he's making some time for us here. Um, okay. Uh, let's just, let's just do a quick recap actually. Cause we talked about a lot of stuff uh, that I, I covered most of the stuff I wanted to cover. So we start, we talked about, so your preseason this year was to get to know the players, um, see the roles on the team, uh, serve and pass was going to be your huge identity. I guess you want to call you to be really good at serve and pass every practice. Um, uh, we, you, and you, you broke your, your, your training in preseason down to four or five chunks. The first training block was serve, pass, pass to attack. Um, then we wanted to, the second training block was defending in system. Um, what reads do you have to make, et cetera. The third was uh, medium. So serve, receive, and then medium. Uh, how, how are you going to play out of that? Which I really love, by the way, you're, because it, it realistically, yeah, absolutely. Now everything can be perfect. So you have to practice that. Um, fourth was out of system. So you were going to be serving tough. So you recognize you're going to put them out of system. How do you defend that? Uh, I think that's really smart. And then the fifth was refinement, just refining all the stuff we talked about. Um, you know, your offensive overall strategy was pretty simple from what you told me. You want to just, you know, because you had a pretty talented group, uh, middles, you gave the option of making their decisions. If they want to shoot the gap, they want to go 51 straight on. Um, you run a, a, a tempo offense and your, your pins are strong. So they, they, they make great decisions, you know, not, yeah. not a lot of, I mean, from what I, from what I saw too, watching you guys play, not a lot of combo plays, very basic offense, right? Like just simple, run your hitting lane, create the one-on-one score. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we just kept it as basic and as simple as possible. And you won and, a national championship. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, there, there's something we said about our guys, again, 
high standards, just want to be clean, want to be simple and just execute what they need to. And you know what, if I think a lot of coaches have told me uh, in the pack West, it's just like, we don't give up a lot because we're so simple. Right. You have to come take it from us. Right. I can see that. Yeah. That, that's, that's, yeah. that's true. Uh, okay. Then we transition to culture. Um, and I think that whole culture conversation, the main thing that came out of that was your identity is you have a high expectation for excellence, man. I, Kelvin, I think you need to put that on a shirt. You need to, you need to like <laughs> trademark that, that, that saying, that's fantastic. Uh, every gym should have that high expectation of excellence. That's fantastic. Um, and then you talked about transition, you know, transitioning into the new year of being able to communicate that a bit better, especially with young guys and, and the older guys coming in. So that's really cool. Uh, match preparation. Um, we talked about, you know, your two, you have a match on Friday, Tuesday is where it starts. Athletes get um, their scouting report based on, you know, who you want to serve, um, attacking tendencies, set distribution tendencies, things like that. Um, I really like the the way that you talked about your, you want to really be good in the front, the front six um, and you give up the back three a little bit. Um, and then you have two defenders uh, in the, like the five, six area as generally where you're going to go. Yeah. Which, which makes sense. So you're, you're kind of giving up deep one, essentially like that one area you're not really yeah. concerned about because like you said, based on, you could see this based on your scouting report, how many balls really go there based on the league and the team. So yeah, that's, that's, that's so tactical that uh, absolutely. Um, four, you guys practice 40, uh, four days a week. We got Mondays, a low day, uh, a low today, rather a low, low day, rather technical Tuesdays, <laughs> medium intensity, uh, Wednesday's more defensive day grounded. And then Thursday's more match prep. You know, try to get your two sets of volleyball. You live three times a week, two times on your own, one time on the team. And then most of the player development happens in preseason, uh, that, that those six weeks where you got huddle, uh, and huddle is being used just, just to look at, um, gameplay. Is that right? Like other teams and, or as well as yourself. Yeah. Like we, we, like we have huddle and obviously like huddle technique. I think, I don't know if that's absolutely available, but yeah. like we can like, again, take clips, slow it down, draw on it and diagram stuff out for the athletes. Right. Uh, they got band video, which is really good. And the radar gun. So, uh, just to wrap, well, first of all, did I miss anything here that you think is important to add? No, I think. Yeah, the summary was awesome. We're good. Oh, well, thanks. Well, I try to take notes. And I, I, I listen, I, I'm always learning too, man. Like this is this is really cool stuff. Like I always get a kick out of there's always something you can learn from listening to a coach's story and, and how they think about the game. And I, I think uh, this podcast is now three years old and I've had coaches from you know the national pro level. I had, you know, I had Glenn Hogue, Dan Lewis, all those guys on here and just listen to them talk. And I'm telling you, listen to you talk. I have taken just as much from you as I have from them. So it's really cool to see just simple like this game is so simple at, at its core but it's just taking different things from different coaches so I, I appreciate that uh man okay the last thing i want to talk to you about is and before i let you go what like how many hours and what is your preparation like in a in a given season you know what what are you doing on a, on a regular basis like okay we talked about you know, you, you, you plan your practices. I get that. You know, you got your, your player development. You have, I I'm looking at your, what we talked about is the team plan, but you as a coach from the outside in, you know, what, what do you, what can you say that were the ingredients to this championship run you guys had that you, that you've taken upon yourself? Like when you think about the season as a whole, man, I think most of this, I would like contribute to having a really good coaching staff to keep me kind of like level. Yeah, You know, that's kind of like preseason stuff where it's like, okay, who do I have available? Who can I get in the gym to help me out? Because again, like 
we we do so much in like the recruiting all the other things like we don't always you know run the best practice or you know be in the best mindset for that because like we come from different jobs we come from different things and surrounding myself with good people that can come in and be like really you know um take charge and really coach my guys up to help me out like that's a big thing um and yeah I, I talked to so many different coaches like in the league outside the league you know charles is retired but he's still at the college like him and i sat down and chat about a whole bunch of different things because so, like again he's got so much knowledge in the game you know just having a soundboard to be like okay what do you think about this i think that's kind of the biggest takeaway for me this season is just kind of like that alone right and what what would you say that you you're going to do this this upcoming season differently than you did this season that you guys won a national championship besides the change in the culture piece yeah i I don't know if there's going to be that much more different um our team is going to be a a lot younger and um and um i'm just gonna have to change that um sorry got distracted no problem (laughs) um the way we handle things are going to have to, yeah, no, the way we handle things are going to have to be different. We're going to be under more pressure because again, now we're two time defending champs. We have right. a younger team and kind of talking to them about their mental game. is going to be a lot more important, more error prone and like managing expectations is going to be huge. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I lied. I have one more. I just looked at my notes and I forgot to ask you the one big thing for, uh, for college coaches. So we've talked more about like everything yeah. for, but from, from a college coaching perspective now, you talked about getting talent. You have talent on your team. So what would you say to coaches on getting talent in their gym? What is your, what, what has been the program strategy or your strategy of bringing that talent in? Cause recruiting is a huge part of our job as college coaches and university coaches, et cetera. Uh, what's your strategy? How are you getting these guys in the gym? Man, I am out there coaching a lot. Okay. <laughs> like, yep. um, like I've flown to Prince George coach camps there. Uh, I'm going to Vancouver right now to coach camp there. Like I try to coach as much as I can because word of mouth is probably the best selling point. It was like athletes who have worked with me, know me, can give me recommendations. Yeah. Um, Cause I can say all I want. And then you show up and say, you know, I think that's the biggest recruiting tool. And my second piece is like, I'm very honest with my athletes. It's like, you're not going to start, but maybe in two years. And I, I, the last thing I want is an athlete to come and not get what they're expecting. So yeah. that's kind of my piece there. Okay. I got a last quick one for you and then we're done. I know I keep saying that, but this is actually the last one. And then we're out of here. Uh, I always, I always ask everyone this, if you could have dinner dead or alive with anybody, who would that be and why? Oh man. I know, I know it's a tough one, but I, I think it's, one. It's, it's a super tough one, man. Anybody. I gotta go with like my kind of like a, kind of like a, a fanboy crush thing. Like <laughs> I would love dinner. With Watson. <laughs> Sorry. I missed it. Who? Emma Sorry, Watson. You, you, you broke up. Say that again. Uh, I think, I think <laughs> Emma Watson. Oh, Emma Watson. No. No. Like. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, sorry, I'm losing. I'm I'm guessing it's because uh you're you're heading on the fair right now, which I which might which means my time is up. Absolutely, I I, I kept here a little longer than I wanted to. Well, listen, Kelvin, man, th thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Congratulations again. Uh, back to back national champions is, is amazing, and, and as your first year taking over a program, uh, unreal, unreal. Uh, so congratulations. I wish you nothing but the best of luck this upcoming well the off season and the upcoming season, and um and hopefully we get to chat more, man. So thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Hopefully you hear me, but. Yep. No, I, I got you. But yeah, anyways, we'll, we'll let you run. Take care. Thanks again. And for the rest of you, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. I'll see you guys later. Take care. All right. Cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.